Welcome to the Perfectly Flawed podcast. On this podcast, I am your host, Renee Fox, and I chat to various people who are willing to be open and vulnerable about their own experiences with mental health and sport. Please keep in mind that the things discussed on this podcast are people's own experiences and is not medical advice. If anything in these episodes is triggering for you or you feel like you need assistance, please contact a health professional or Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Perfectly Flawed Podcast. In this episode, I am joined by Sarah Carley. Sarah is a 400 meter hurdler who has recently competed at the Tokyo Olympics. Sarah had a tougher lead into the Olympics than most with a freak accident just a few months out. She talks about her recovery and she was able to persevere and be able to recover in time for Tokyo. She talks about the highs and lows and how it's just part of sport. Sarah speaks about her positive mindset and the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people can make all the difference. I enjoy chatting with Sarah so much. She's so bubbly and was a delight to talk to. So I'm sure you'll love listening. Welcome to the Perfectly Forward podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. For those that don't know you, would you like to give a bit of an overview about yourself? Um, I'm Sarah Carley. I'm from Wollongong, New South Wales. I'm a 400 meter hurdler and I've just recently competed at the Tokyo Olympic Games. Um, and that's that's me. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. How did you fall in love with athletics and in particular hurdles? I started doing athletics just through school. I'm sort of was one of these kids that just tried everything and I just I was really good at running. I started little athletics in the under nines and again, tried just tried every event. I was initially a distance runner, which I did for a little bit because I was so small growing up. The distance kind of was just the area that I went into. Um, and then at about kind of 15, I started doing some 200 hurdles and I had some decent success and I just really liked hurdling. Like I said, I tried pretty much all the events through little athletics and that was sort of the event that kind of drew my eye and I guess that's it. I just went that way. Yeah. Amazing. I think there's always like one thing that you're sort of drawn to. I mean, I did little athletics when I was quite young, but running is not my thing. I'm very much not coordinated on land. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I think you kind of just gravitate towards the thing that you're best at as well. So that's, I had the most success in hurdles. So I just kind of went that direction. Yeah, absolutely. I think you definitely tend to do things like, oh, I'm good at this. I want to do it more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if you're good at something, you're going to keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like competing in Tokyo? Tokyo was a fantastic experience. I'm so, I feel so grateful that the games went ahead, especially after all the uncertainty of whether we would actually be able to run. Um, I feel like the team was just fantastic. It was such a great environment. So exciting. I honestly, I finished it feeling so inspired and I'm just, still kind of like processing being there but it was it was fantastic yeah I can imagine it would be and I've spoken to a couple people now and saying like that the talk of the Olympic buzz like it's a real thing and you don't really realize what that really means until you're there yeah and I I didn't kind of realize because you're in a bubble I guess when you're there and you think the Olympics is the most exciting thing going on because you're there and it's I guess it's not until I've come home that I'm 
hearing all this feedback and talking to a lot of people and realizing how big it was for everyone back home in Australia as well, which is, which is something that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you didn't have the most ideal lead in personally into Tokyo. Would you like to expand on what the lead in was like for you? So I qualified for the Tokyo Olympics in December of 2020 first race of the season, ran a PB, ran a huge qualifier, best, absolute best shape of my life. Um, we honestly couldn't believe how fast I was running for me personally. Um, and then in February, I had a accident in the gym. Um, I was stepping up onto a box with a bar on my back and I slipped and I fell forward and the bar sort of came down on my neck. I had a pretty decent cut on my chin. So I called my partner and he took me to, up to the hospital, which was about five minutes from the gym that I was at. Um, and after some testing and stuff, they cleared me to go home. Um, everything looked good. The MRI came up all clear. And it was just before I got discharged, I ended up having a seizure in hospital. And from there, that required further testing. And they found out that I had dissected my carotid artery which is an internal tear in the wall of the main artery that supplies blood to your brain. So that's just in your neck. And from there, I had to have emergency surgery straight away because I was sort of told if we don't, if we don't operate now, um, you will likely have a stroke in the next couple of hours that will be fatal. So from there, it was kind of all systems go and everything happened really quickly. And they were able to take a vein from my thigh and put it into my neck. Yeah. And when I came out of surgery, they said no exercise for five months. So at that point, at the end of February, it was the Olympics was pretty much completely off the table for me. I can't even imagine that feeling. I mean, not that you want to have a seizure, but lucky that you did at the time that you did, because things could have been so different if that hadn't have happened. And I can't even imagine waking up from such a major surgery to be told that something that you love and you've worked so hard for is now not even on the cards. Yeah, it was really devastating. But when I did have the seizure, I remember kind of, I guess, like waking up from it and I was being wheeled down the corridor of the hospital. And I guess it's like in a movie where the lights are like flashing over you and that's what was <laughs> happening. And I didn't know what was going on because like the last thing I remember is I was getting discharged. I was going home. So, when, and, and they didn't know what was happening. So and I, just before I had my seizure, I lost feeling in my fingers and my hands and they became really numb. Um, so for me, I was kind of like, oh my God, like, have I done something to my spine? Like, am I never going to run again? So like, as much as it was devastating when I woke up, there was a point where I was like, will I be able to run again? So as much as it is tough, it was almost a much better outcome to what I like the thoughts and the feelings that were going in prior to surgery. Yeah, that's true. Because I mean, not being able to run again is massive compared to just five months of no exercise. Oh, a hundred percent. And then when people are sort of like, when there's a point where there's like not enough blood getting to your brain, like, and people are throwing around things like brain damage, like as an athlete, that's all I was worried about. But it's even like an afterthought really when um, you have such scary things like that kind of being thrown around too. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not something that you want to hear at all ever. No, no. And, but like the nurses and doctors at the hospital, like absolutely fantastic, like just so calm and kind. And when you're, and I was really lucky that um, 
my partner was there um, when it happened. And my mom sort of, when I, when I kind of woke up from the seizure, my mom came not long after. So having them there, like was, I think a huge, a huge benefit having like both my family, like my partner and my mom, like the two, like who, who else do you need when something bad happens? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The two most supportive people. Yeah, exactly. Like your your boyfriend and your mom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What was the recovery process like then for you? I mean, I know for me, like recovering at the moment, I get so restless. What was it like for you? Um, I think it was a really long process, but I think because I had the Olympics, it was like, I almost kind of was so focused on making that happen and I don't know whether I would have been like I, I don't know if my recovery would have had been so fast if, it, if I didn't have the Olympics there like it's a pretty big carrot to kind of push you and like keep you motivated so yeah it was really hard it was long but like I said like I like my partner and my mom and like my coach and I just have an incredible support network around me so having all those people there like telling you that you can do it and you know like they love you when they hear for you that is like that's a massive help too so as much as it was a really tough recovery process like I had so much support around me yeah absolutely and you obviously got to race at Tokyo how do you think your performance went like are you happy with it are you like you know it could have been better or you just like totally content that you could even be there um like the elite athlete in me we can't like when you go to the olympics like you want to be there in the best shape of your life like you train five years for it so and i was in career best form and that is really hard to go into a majors and know that like and you it's hard to not think of what could have been but i've had to i've had to completely just not think about those things so and so the other part of me is just so grateful that i was there and like my body was able to recover as quickly as it did. So I guess it's like that, a bit of both. So grateful, but then also, you know, you can't help but think like, oh, like I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't there to do a PB, which is hard, but yeah. Yeah. It's kind of that catch 22. It's like, I'm really happy that I was there, but also I'm like, what could have happened if this didn't happen? Oh, and there's so many stories, like the amount of athletes, even on the track team, that got injured weeks out and even from other countries or so many people that got injured or even at the games like during comp so it's just one of those things that comes with sport like unfortunately yeah and it's those lows that make those highs so much higher yeah and it makes you grateful for when you do run a pb and you do run really well or even just like the experience in general i was so grateful to just be there and be a part of the team and you know call myself an olympian as well like there's not very many people that get to do that and it quite i could have quite easily not been there either and i would have had to sit home and watch all of that um from lockdown yeah (laughs) yeah that would have been awful i can't even imagine how that would feel yeah. And you know what? There is so many athletes that missed out who had to sit at home in lockdown and watch the Olympics. So, you know, when I kind of you know, not feel sorry for myself, but when I kind of think that I'm like, I'm just, I'm lucky to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can imagine you had some pretty tough sessions even before your freak accident. How do you push yourself through a hard set? 
Um, I'm so lucky. I have a fantastic training squad. There's myself and two other 400 meter hurdlers and then my coach, um, Melissa Smith, and they get me through every session. Like training by yourself is so hard. Like, and I've got those girls around me to push me every day. Um, but I'm someone who's like super self-motivated. So, you know, when there's days that you don't feel like training or you don't feel like pushing yourself, do you want to pass out? Like we often do, like just having those, you know, like positive cues in your brain and kind of just like um, being like an internal coach, I guess, um, that sort of things that I, I personally do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think athletics is similar to swimming in the sense that it is an individual sport, but you do have those teammates around you to have that social network that you don't, that I think is more prominent in team sports. Yeah, like completely. Like, and as much as they are individual sports, like I'm happy when my teammates do well. And so, and and because you are competitive, like you're like, you're trying to beat each other at training and you don't want your training partner to beat you. No. <laughs> so I think that's definitely a driver as well. hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. How were you feeling? Like obviously going into Tokyo wasn't the ideal lead in. Were you nervous? Um, a good nervous. I think like I had nerves, um, which just sort of helps that adrenaline and pumps me up. Um, but I will say I was really calm. I think I was at peace with the fact that I wasn't in the best shape of my life. And I knew that, but I was just happy to step onto that track. I haven't done a lot of racing, so I was nervous, but I was also really excited to actually race. Like I've done, like you do so much training. This is like you train and train and train. And like, that's the fun part is getting to go out and be in that stadium. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I know for me personally, I race better when there's no pressure, especially coming from my own expectations. It's like, okay, like I know it's not going to be my best or, you know, this is just another race to before this when I'm in that mindset, I race better than when I put all these expectations on myself. Do you find the same thing? Yeah. And I think like individual sports, a lot of the expectations like that's like, that comes from you. So, and I, I think just being confident with the training that you've done, like when you stand on the line or stand on the blocks for the pool, I guess, um, just sort of knowing that the work that you have put in and just being confident. And I guess that helps with the expectations, Yeah, I think um, like a lot of it is internal, I think, as well. Yeah, I agree. Especially for me personally, I put a lot of pressure on myself to do well. But when I go in, I'm like, oh, yeah, like whatever happens, happens. And I take it that step back. I do so much better. Yeah. And I think, you know what, having that expectation, that's why you like you compete as good as you do, because you have that expectation of yourself um, to, you know, always striving to be better. Yeah, absolutely. What about external pressure? Do you think there's any external pressure, particularly going into the Olympics? Was there any external pressure for you? I think for me, like knowing what happened, there wasn't any external pressure. Like obviously I wanted to make a semi, but I, me, I don't think there was really any pressure on me. The fact that I was there was just a bit of a, not a miracle, but just, just exciting in itself. So I was just there to do my best and we knew that I wasn't going to run a PB. So yeah, I I didn't, I don't think I had as much pressure as a lot of the other athletes going in. What is your inner monologue like leading into a race and then after a race? Um, So probably like if I'm on the block, I was in like sort of when I'm like right on the block. So kind of like the weeks leading in. Both. 
both. <laughs> so when I'm in the blocks, like I try my best to, we have key cues that me and my coach have worked on and I try and focus on those sort of when I'm in the blocks, trying, trying to clear my mind as much as I can and just not thinking too far into the future. Cause I think that's when those like negative thoughts or those like, what if possibilities start to creep in when you kind of go through too much into the future so just focusing on that first 100 meters and like really setting it up and we call it like attacking the hurdles and I guess just like the weeks leading in just giving it everything at training so when I get to that line I go like I can say to myself confidently like you have worked so hard to be here like you you should be confident yeah so that's I think as much be as positive as I can yeah that's really good I think that can be tricky when you let those what ifs and those negative thoughts come in because it can spiral very quickly. If they have ever crept in for you, how do you go about flipping that? Actually in the race before me, the girl, I think from Great Britain, she tripped and hit the first hurdle and I saw her, I saw that happen. So I'm walking down the hundred straight and I see her and, you know, like hitting a hurdle, like, That is very like high on the list of things that you want, like not worry about, but that's like, that can happen to anyone. Um, And there was even a false, in my heat, there was a false start. So like, just like worst thing you want to do at a major is false start. And then probably the next thing is hit a hurdle, like or fall and hit a hurdle. So I just kind of, again, clearing your mind and just focusing on yourself and that first like 50 to 100 meters, that's sort of, how I kind of prevent them from coming in just blocking mm-hmm. them out <laughs> <laughs> because Block so like when I watch the athletics I mean I've never really paid too much attention before particularly when someone falls starts is that everyone sort of goes back and they restart in swimming that doesn't really happen like it, once you dive in like the race just continues and sometimes it's not till after you finish the race that person gets told you've been disqualified it so I found it so fascinating watching the athletics that that person gets told and they don't even get to do the race oh I so I didn't know that in swimming actually that you just keep going Is because, that- I mean sometimes like they put like the like a rope down and get people to stop when you restart but most times I mean at not quite as the high level at a lower level. Yeah, it's not really till after that you find out. So um, it used to be first false starts a warning and then second you get DQ'd. But I think I kind of remember when they brought it in. It's been a while now that it's that, that's it. So, yeah, one if you false start, you are out. And, yeah, <laughs> that's and that's, yeah, that's, it can be very stressful. But I try to think of that and I've touched wood. You know, what, I'm not even going to say it about false starting (laughs) don't want want that out in the universe no yeah I'm yeah I remember watching and I was like that's so interesting that they just get told straight away imagine if that happened in in swimming it's weird that like it's similar but there's so many differences as well yeah it's it's cutthroat like and there was a lot of false starts because I think so the blocks um have sense sense pads or whatever so they can see like they can feel when you false start so it's not like someone's watching so you could false start by only a little bit and you'll still get because because sometimes when you watch them like you can't even you can barely see it yeah so yeah no that's it's quite cutthroat especially in sprinting like it'd be so easy yeah I mean I saw heaps and even just when like the little like siren or buzzer or whatever you want to call it goes off to say like you need to restart and like they do like the replays and all that 
And I think they sometimes do that, that you can, they'll let you back into the race. And then at the end, you can like protest, they might uplift it. But yeah, most of the time you false start, that's it. You're gone. Yeah. It's very cutthroat. Interesting. Mm. I mean, I guess one of the biggest setbacks for you would probably be that freak accident and the surgery. Apart from that, have you had any other major setbacks? Um, I've been pretty lucky in my athletics career. My coach, um, Melissa Smith, she's also a physio. So we're so on top of injuries on, and like, we're very proactive and I do a lot of prehab to prevent injuries again, touch wood. <laughs> so I haven't had, I had, when I was sort of 17, I had a, I um, was overseas at the world junior championships and I got a navicular stress fracture when I was there. So I was walking around in a moon boot at the championships and had to watch. So that was really hard. And that was probably the biggest setback that I've ever had in my career. And that was really hard to come back from, especially at 17. Like it's really kind of transitioning from a junior to a senior athlete is real. It's like a really hard period. So that was tough. Um, but yeah, I've always been pretty lucky. Like I've had a few small kind of injuries that we've had to manage, but I just like, I probably focused, I've done, I throw myself at them. Like I have again with the surgery, like you have a goal, you're working towards it and it's not always going to be linear. Like it's going to be up and down. <laughs> That's just sport. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what people forget is they just think it's going to be like this linear trajectory that just keeps going up and up and up and you just keep improving. But some days, you know, you feel like you've gone five steps backwards. It's like, what the hell yesterday? Like I felt great. And today I feel like I'm back to square one. Yeah. And like, even, even like things outside of your sport, like, like work and study and stuff that can have a massive impact on your training. And that can be so frustrating because like, elite athletes like pretty much everyone works like there's no money in the sport I make no money um I don't have a sponsor like so you go like completely like I'm paying for it myself so having those things also impact your sport or having like setbacks in those areas can also impact sport which is super frustrating too but like I said you just got to have that goal like that you're working towards and I think that helps yeah absolutely and I think a lot of I guess every day in quotations people forget that sport is brutal in that sense is that a lot of people are self-funded there is no not a lot of money in some of the sport and the if you don't have sponsors you're very much on your own and trying to get through it and it can be really expensive too yeah and it's it's and it's not even like the physical cost of like running and physio and like track entry and like all that stuff it's like the like the promotion that you have to give up or the missed opportunities because you have training and like the loss of income because you can't work because you have X amount of hours of training. Like I wouldn't even want to put a dollar on the amount of money that I've probably like sacrificed or given up for my sport. I was really lucky that I was able to do both for a long time, but it it is really hard, but it's a choice. Like I don't have to do that. I could just quit athletics and just focus on a working career, but I don't want to do that. So as much as it is hard, it's a choice. And it's a choice that I would make over and over again because I just love athletics so much. And I think that's also at even at a lower level in the sense that managing any sort of lifestyle, whether that's school and sport or university, work, 
whatever it may be, there are still those sacrifices that are being made even at such a young age. And I'm sure you would have experienced that too. It's like, oh, you know, we're going to a party on the weekend or we're going out in the city this weekend. Do you want to come? And it's like, actually, I can't. Like I have to get up early for training tomorrow or I've got a comp on constantly saying no to those things and your friends like oh come on like even just for a little bit come on just come and you have to say look I'm really sorry but I just can't yeah that is huge in sport and like like I'm getting better at it now like I'm good at that now but like in that 18 22 like that is so hard and I think that's why we lose a lot of athletes because there's so many other more exciting things um and especially off season like when you're just training and you don't have that instant gratification of a race um, it can be really hard to stay focused and like remind yourself why you're doing it. But I think like, like you said, when you have friends that are kind of like, oh, come on, like do this. Like, I think having in, like key people in your life that are going to support you and aren't going to put that pressure on you is so important. Like I, my friends, incredible, like they are so understanding amount of times I've said I can't come to things or I can't drink or like even like like a lot of my friends are getting married now and like a lot of weddings you go to I like I might not be able to drink if it's in season and like they're so fine with that like which I think having that like those people that understand is super important and can be so helpful absolutely having that support network around you that understand what it's necessarily what it's like but understand where you're coming from and Mm -hmm. willing to accept that that's the lifestyle that you've chosen and support you through that regardless is so important yeah and I think I'm getting to that age where I think everyone's really getting into health and fitness now I feel like it's more of a thing like I don't know maybe it's just I mean my mid-20s and health and fitness is more cool or but I feel like the whole people are kind of like more into it and I find going for walks and having coffees on a Sunday that's like more of a thing now yeah (laughs) yeah but um yeah I've I can't I've missed out on so much so much stuff because of training but again it's a choice yeah yeah and you have to be willing to make that sacrifice too I think those top level athletes know that what they need to do to get to where they need to be like okay this is my goal whilst yes it sucks saying no I know in the long run it's going to be what I want oh yeah and if like training is hard enough as it is I would not want to go to training hungover like I I wouldn't do it to myself I would not do it to myself (laughs) I couldn't even imagine I had a friend do it once and being in the water like things that are moving she's like (gasps) it is the worst thing ever what do you do if you vomit in the water like (laughs) Like at least in athletics, you can kind of run off and do a bomb on the grass or something. Yeah. It's what just, do you do in the water? I mean, if you do it in the water, everyone has to get out. So I, I think I said do it one time. I'm like, it's a really hard set. Like it's okay if some gets like in the pool, like don't worry. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I wouldn't, I haven't thought of that. Yeah. And you guys are up so early too. Like at least like we, we like do nine o'clock starts, like not four o'clock. Yeah. It's brutal. It is brutal, but she never did it again because it's the worst thing I've ever done in my life and I I can't do it again. (laughs) Yeah. No, learn learn your lesson. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. What for you, if something doesn't go to plan, whether it's a a training session or a race, what is that in a monologue like? What's the first thing you tend to say to yourself? I mean, for me personally, I'm like, oh shit, like why did I do that? Or I'm an idiot. What is it for you? Um, I think like that initial similar, like, why did you do that? Like, I'm, I'm not angry at you, but like, why? But I'm very good at 
kind of stopping and I've, I've become better at this stopping and going, all right, this is what we did wrong. How can we fix it? How can we make it better? So I guess taking those bad days or bad sessions and kind of trying to work out what went wrong and then being able to change them. Like I'm big on someone that if there's an issue, like fix it or what, what can you do to fix it? So I try and flip it and then change it for next time. Yeah. And I think that's a really good thing to have. Is that something that you've always done or how have you learned to start doing that? Um, I, I'd say that I've always been really good at doing that and just moving on from things like even my accident, like with all the what ifs or da da da, like I've had to be really good at going, all right, like that's it. This is what happened. And just moving on. Because if you sit there and dwell on something that's happened and let it kind of spin around in your head, like it's just going to eat you up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I've fallen into that trap many times before and I'm pretty confident in saying that I'm not the only one that does does that. I think there's so many people out there that fall into that spiral where all the what ifs become so consuming and you just can't see the way out. Oh yeah. And like, I've been there before. I'm not saying that I'm immune to it. Um, yeah. And it's just one of those things that comes to the territory of sport and like, it's because it's it's you care like as well. Absolutely. And I think if you didn't, I mean, question yourself at times to a point and not letting it get consuming is so important because if you don't question it, then how are you going to improve? Exactly. And if you didn't care, you probably wouldn't be analyzing it or going over why I went like that either. Exactly right. What would you say then has been one of your biggest achievements so far? Um, honestly, I think getting to this Olympics, like it has been like, even I haven't really had much time to process it just getting here and getting back as quickly as I did I'm like I'm pretty now I'm quite proud of myself that I even pulled it off like we pulled it off my team I'm that's probably what I'm probably I would say is my biggest achievement to date (laughs) yeah it's so good like I think it's a massive achievement and it's been interesting talking to various people a lot of people say like the Olympics has been great, but I've also been able to do, you know, X, Y, Z. So it's interesting, like, obviously you had a very different lead into other people, but it's interesting to hear the variety of answers that I get when I ask that question. Yeah, I think with like, um, I'm someone that's so big on just like being honest with yourself about whether you tried your best. And like, I quit my job. I was working as a financial advisor and a mortgage broker and I quit that in June because I was like I can't if I want to go to these Olympics I will I can't do I can't recover from this like this accident and my surgery and work at the same time and I threw everything into that like that six weeks like to get and run and I think that's why it's my biggest achievement because I have never thrown everything I had at my sport before ever like 100% my sport so yeah it's like awesome to have had that motivation like I've never I've honestly never I'm like I feel like I'm a different athlete than I was because of this too yeah and although as you can see now like reflecting back like it was a shitty experience and you know there are a lot of what-ifs around it but you can also see that there are so many positives that have come out of it as well oh like I just kind of when you're in that situation where someone's like you don't know what's going on and even to have the thought of oh my god like like what if I can't run that like going through that and like 
it just it changes the way and it's so and I've said this before it's it's so cliche like why is it that bad things have to happen for you to like reevaluate your life and think about what's important but it honestly did and like all I cared about was like when can I run when can I run and that's all I kept saying so I don't know if I would have ever had like I really love my job and I put a lot of time and energy into my job but now I'm like I don't even care about that it's all all eyes on Paris on my sport and if this accident hadn't happened yeah I don't know whether I would have ever got to that point maybe I would have kept trying to do both so yeah like you said, definitely positives. Yeah, 100%. And it's so important to be able to look back and see both of those. Yeah, yeah. And like taking the positives out too. Absolutely. What impact do you think sport has had on your life? And do you think that it's changed or evolved throughout? Um, like I think I was growing up, um, I think I was, my identity was very tied up in my sport. And I think when I sort of had that injury at 17, I worked really hard on creating an identity away from sport. Um, So I'm trying to like kind of have both. So I think athletics has, it has made me the person that I am, but I've also worked very hard on, you know, being more than an athlete as well. I think it's so interesting that you've said that because I've had that conversation with a few people now and it's even a conversation that I'm still having with myself is who am I without my sport and questioning my identity. Like I'm still a person without yeah. being like, I'm an athlete, but I'm more than just that. And I yeah. think that a lot of people, including myself, get caught up in tying your worth to your performance. Yes. Yep. You hear that all the time. Yeah. How did you transition from being an athlete to a person outside of that um I think I did it I did it quite well but it was at the detriment of my sport like I think that's really hard people don't realize that you know sport is so full-on and sometimes you've got to you you can't have an identity outside of sport like it's really hard to have both because if you want to be the best you got to throw everything at it so I think I've built that identity and I have that now and I'm like happy to step away from it and kind of move back into my sport. So I think I've almost done it a little bit backwards. So I've had my identity tied up really young, sort of step, took a sort of step back. And um, over the last couple of years, I've really moved back into that. But I have both, I think. Yep. Yeah, that's really good. What kind of things do you do outside of sport? Like I know I spoke to Kai Edwards and he was saying that outside of swimming he doesn't actually talk about it with his friends or whatever he has completely different conversations he really keeps the two separate what kind of things do you do outside of athletics I I guess because I've like well not right now but I was working I had a working career and I was studying and I was I didn't really have much time for anything else (laughs) Um, but I I like I said I have a great group of friends like my friends are incredible they're so important to me and my family like I'm so family orientated so just having them I do like talking about sport and my friends will talk to me about sport but they also we're also really good at talking about other things as well so but I like to go to the beach <laughs> I love the beach and reading they're probably two things that I really like to do amazing I would love to know a question and feel free like if you don't want to answer this that's totally fine but I've noticed in athletics and a lot of women's sport and I think that conversation is coming up quite a lot at the moment is body image and the conversation around that and particularly the uniform I think has been a big topic of debate recently 
I noticed in athletics, like the uniform that you guys wear can be quite revealing, I guess, in a way. Like it's not super like wearing a tank top or shorts. It can be almost like bathers in a sense. How do you go with that? I think in athletics, we've always been, and I don't know whether this is because it's a unisex, like there's like, like we male and females run together, I guess, when we compete, you are given a wide range of a uniform and you can kind of wear whatever you want. So I know some, some girls wore the singlet and long tights to compete in, like you, you have a choice. And I think that's um, really important. Like you can wear shorts, you can wear the briefs. I personally, I like to race. When I race domestically, I always run in shorts. Um, but when I race internationally, I always wear the briefs. And I think that's, again, a choice. And that's what I feel comfortable in. So having that option, I think, is important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting hearing you say that, that they had the option. It's not something that I, I mean, I'm not in the athletics world, so I don't really know what it's like in that sense. And it's great that you guys have the choice because I think there's a lot of people that don't have that choice. And I remember seeing something on social media about the German, I'm pretty sure it was the German gymnastics team, how they wore full length leotards and they looked beautiful. Like they were gorgeous uniform that they had. And it was interesting that they wore that to kind of make a stance that they didn't need to wear anything that was revealing. Yeah. And I don't understand why, like, and even in the like track, like different countries as well, like some girls wear full length shirts and pants and like tights. And if that's what they want to run in. um, Yeah. There's never been a question about like being told what you have to compete in, in my, like my event. So I would find that that'd be really hard, like to be told what you have to wear. (laughs) Yeah. I can imagine it would be quite confronting too. Like, yeah, especially when you're flipping, I guess, um, even hurdling, like I've had some photos where my legs are out. Um, <laughs> so that's just like comes to the territory. But yeah, in gymnastics, like that would be really tough because leotards, yeah, some of them are quite high cut too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely doesn't leave much to the imagination, that's for sure. No, but like if that's what you want to compete in, like, and you feel comfortable, like go for it. And if you don't, don't. I, 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 don't, I don't understand how it's that difficult. You know what I mean? Yeah. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't yeah. be difficult. Like it should just be, you know, I mean, most athletes have this amazing body that is, and I think a word that has been thrown around a bit now is that my body is a vessel. Like it just allows me to do so many of these things and it's not a matter of what it looks like. It's it's what it can do. Yeah, and I that's something that's coming through, I think, a lot recently. Like that's a big thing that's being pushed. And it's so true. Like my body got me to where I am and like my body looks the way it is because of my sport. And like, I, like I'm, I'm very lucky. I've always had the people around me have always been really body positive and stuff. So I can imagine it would be like so difficult not having the people around you being as positive either. Yeah. And being told what to wear. (laughs) Yeah. Having that again, that support network is so important. Yeah. Definitely. I, I agree with that. What are your upcoming goals, short-term or long-term? Um, I've got, I would love to get back into PB shape. Like I said, I was career 
best form and I just I'm like itching to get back to that feeling of being really fit and fast so we've got con games and world champs next year so massive year and then then onwards to Paris hopefully dual Olympian that's the goal (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you'll get that the way you've spoken about how passionate about your sport and athletics and really throwing yourself into it I'm sure that it's definitely a possibility thank you and I just like I love the sport like I love athletics and I've never been someone that I've had way more losses in my career than wins. So yeah, I, I just love it. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell. I like to do three questions to finish with. The first one is what is something that you're most proud of about yourself? Um, I would say like my, my ability to always try my best. And I think that's all you can ask as an athlete. Like if you can step off that track and say, I've tried my best, that's so important. And I'm always really proud because I think that I'm someone that says that. Like, and I know that I do my best. Absolutely. And definitely something that you should be proud of. Thank you. What (laughs) is your favorite quote and or the best piece of advice that you've been given? Actually, so this is one I got given recently, which I think is so great. My coach had all of my really close friends write me letters before my race and I read them the night before, um, which was beautiful. And one of my friends gave me a quote that was passed on. One of my really good friends, Demi, and her dad passed it on to her. And it was, um, never be a better athlete than you are as a person. And I think that is so important in sport. Like being a good person is just more important than being an athlete yeah so I think that's probably something that that was a new one I've been given (laughs) yeah no I like that I haven't heard that before I like that that's good yeah and I think sometimes people do get caught up you know in the hype and you know everything that goes along with being an athlete so and that's something that I hope to always like say that I'm like I'm a better person like I'm a good person I think that's important yeah absolutely the last question I have is any tips for those that are listening? I'd say never limit yourself. I think every every person that's achieved anything, you always hear them say, you know, I was told I couldn't do this and someone said this about me. And I think um, you just can't limit yourself. Like if you work hard and you think that you can do something, like just go for it. Like there's no harm in trying. Like, And I think that's super super important for anything and not even just in sport just in life in general and I think that's a really good thing to remember too is that just because someone doesn't think you can doesn't mean that you can't yeah and like and you you have control over what you do like and people don't know who who you are and what you're made of so yeah just never put a limit on yourself absolutely Thank you so much for sharing all that you have today. It's been so great hearing your story and I'm sure so many other people uh, listening are loving it too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate your time as well and I hope all the best with your recovery as well. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Perfectly Flawed podcast. If you would like to stay up to date for when the next episode is being released, you can follow myself on Instagram at Renee Fox, or you can follow the podcast at perfectly underscore flawed underscore podcast. I'll chat to you next time. Bye.